Amen, amen. Would you guys remain standing with me as we go into the Word of God today for this scripture? We're going to go to Exodus chapter 32, verse 16 this morning. You guys excited for the Word of God now? This is going to be an interesting word this morning. And I prayed a lot this morning because a message like this is not easy to teach. But in Exodus chapter 32, beginning at verse 16, the Word of God says this, These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God Himself. I want you to understand something about this passage. God had written in the Ten Commandments Himself the Ten Commandments. Out of His own finger, God cut down the rock and engraved the Ten Commandments. And notice what happened next. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting below, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like war is going down in the camp. But Moses replied, No, that's not the shout of victory nor wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. Notice that. He burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. The Bible says clearly that Moses burned with anger. And how many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you have been burning with anger over something you saw, something you heard, or something that was done to you? You show me your hands this morning. We're going to learn how to deal with this emotion of anger, especially like Moses. If you're believing in God, following Jesus, and trying to be a good leader and example, We're going to talk about the consequences to uncontrollable anger. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. As we go into this word, I would just pray, Father, that you would help us to understand and overcome and really defeat this uncontrollable anger that people have. Bless this word to our lives, that we be a blessing to everyone else because of it. In Jesus' name, use me now to speak. Amen. And amen. You guys can be seated. As we go into this word this morning, <clears throat> we're all talking about anger today. And I don't know who this is for, but maybe anger is getting the best of you. We live in an angry culture. And when I started looking at the Bible of people that were perfect examples of anger, I looked no further than Moses. See, Moses, he really is a lot like us. Moses was a father, Moses was a husband, and Moses was a leader called by God to lead the people of Israel to the promised land. But see, Moses, 
He had a great relationship with God. The Bible says that no one was like Moses because Moses walked with God himself. So Moses was a believer who had a relationship with God. But see, Moses, he had a problem with anger. And anger would always get the best of him. And on three separate occasions, anger really messed up his life. For example, Moses was a great man. He was living in the palace in Egypt. And one day Moses was walking and he sees someone beating up a Hebrew person. And when Moses saw this, the Bible says he got angry. And he took it upon himself to fix the situation. And in his anger, he grabbed that Egyptian servant and he killed him out of anger. And he buried the body thinking no one would find out. But they did. And as a result, Moses had to flee as a fugitive and for 40 years wander in the desert aimlessly because of one emotion he couldn't control. And that was his anger. And in the end of Moses' life, God said, Moses, you're not able to go into the promised land. And we'll talk about this a little later. But Moses was forbidden to go into the promised land because anger got the best of him. And he sinned. And God said, I can't let you go into the promised land. You see, Moses would allow anger to constantly get the best of him and cause a lot of damage to his life. And because Moses had a problem with anger, he often had a bad reputation, gave a bad example, and made bad choices. Because Moses was very emotional. And he always allowed anger to get the best of him. And I don't know about you, but maybe there's someone here today like Moses. You're letting anger get the best of your testimony. And anger is the reason you're leading a bad example to your children. And maybe anger is the reason you are damaging your marriage and hurting your spouse. And maybe anger is a reason you're not experiencing the fullness of the peace of God in your life. But anger is a very dangerous emotion you have to learn how to handle because if not, anger will always have a handle on you. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. It says this, A fool always loses his what? His temper. How many of you have lost your temper within this month alone? This week? This morning? Wow, okay, we got to pray. Here's what the Bible will call you. Foolish. It says a fool always loses his temper. The Bible doesn't say you're foolish for being angry. The Bible says you're foolish when in your anger you allow your temple, your temper to just get you off. But a wise person holds back. Come on, say that with me. A wise person holds back. 
And some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't know what it's like to hold back because when I'm angry, I have to let them have it. And when I'm angry, I have to let it out. And when I'm angry, I have to say something. I lose it. A foolish person loses his temper. And you might lose your temper at home. You might lose your temper when you're driving. You might lose your temper with your children. You might lose your temper on your way to church. But it's foolish. Why is it so foolish to let your temper go? Because anger, when you let that emotion go for a moment, it feels great, doesn't it? Can we be honest in church this morning? It feels great to let it out. It feels great to punch a wall. It feels great to use your mouth to bring them down. It feels great to just throw something and smash it. And anger and losing your temper has a momentary feeling of greatness. But the damage is long-term. And in your anger, you might say something, do something, hurt someone. And the consequences could be a lifetime. And anger is an emotion that is momentary, but could have lifelong consequences. What's interesting about Moses is Moses was on top of this mountain. 40 days with God. Imagine the peace he felt being on that mountain. Imagine this. You're in the country and there are no people. How many would just love that right now? You're in the country. There's no people. There's no stress. And you're with God. And God is actually talking to you, showing you things. That must have been one of the greatest experiences of Moses' life. To be on that mountaintop with God alone. The Bible says that when Moses was with God, he would literally shine, he was literally radiant, that every, even people saw it. So Moses is in the country up on the mountain with God. God is responding. Moses is glowing. He's peaceful. He's happy. He has this overwhelming sense of joy. And, oh, wow, this is awesome. I love this. I can feel the presence of God. But then the time came for him to go back down to the valley. And as he's going down to the valley, He hears the sound of people celebrating. And as he gets closer, let me just illustrate this for you to save us time. The people were completely naked, dancing before an idol, a pagan idol that God did not agree with, living in sin. 
And all of a sudden, those 40 days with God, the peace he had, the joy was over because when he got down to the valley, the people were acting wrong. The people had hurt Moses with their choices. The people had failed him. And Moses got angry because deep down inside, Moses was hurt. And I noticed something about this passage. Life is a series of mountaintops and valleys. And in the Bible, a valley was always a symbol of darkness. Even David wrote, as I walked through the valleys of what? Shadows of death. Valleys were always symbolisms to dark and painful times. The Bible often depicts that in the valleys is where wars and battles took place. In Revelation, the battle of Armageddon is going to be in a valley. Throughout the entire Old Testament, even when David was fighting Goliath, it was always in a valley. So not only do valleys represent death and darkness and hard times, valleys represent battles and wars. And in the book of Ezekiel, it even represented a time of dry, a dry season of emptiness and hopelessness. So valleys were never pictures of blessing. So Moses had a mountaintop experience with God. But then it came time to go down to the valley. And when Moses was in the valley, he saw everyone acting wrong. No one was behaving the way he thought they should. Moses was disappointed. Moses was hurt. And as a result, Moses was angry. And here's my point. Life is a series of mountaintops and valleys. Let me give you an example. Has it ever happened that maybe on a Sunday morning you come to church and worship just fills you with joy and the preaching just excited you and you left church in a good mood? Would you show me your hands if you've ever left church in a good mood? How long did that last? Have you ever been there where you're leaving church and you're happy and you're like, man, life is good and God is good and that message was for me and I love the music and everyone was great and I love today's service and you have this smile, you have a little radiance to you and all it takes is maybe you get in the car and your kids or your spouse has to make one smart comment and all of a sudden you're going into the valley. You're happy on the mountainside in church. You're happy because you're worshiping. You're listening to the Bible. You're listening to the pastor. You're fellowshipping with other believers. But then you come to reality. And it hits you. You got to go back home. And when you go back home, those dishes are going to be in the sink still. And you're still going to have laundry to make, to do. And then it's going to be Sunday night, and then your kids are going to tell you, oh, I have homework due tomorrow. And then you have no help. And all of a sudden, that happy experience you had on Sunday morning vanishes by Sunday night. 
and you get angry because no one's helping you. You get angry like Moses because people are letting you down. You get angry because no one's acting the way you think they should. You get angry because they're disappointing you. You get angry because they have failed your expectations. That's what life is like. And you carry that anger with you all the way till Monday morning. And now it's Monday and you wake up angry. And then you get in your car and you drive angry. And then someone cuts you off in traffic and while you're listening to worship, you curse at them. Then you get to work and you're angry. You're angry at your boss, you're angry at your co-workers, you're angry at people, and you get back in that car to go angry again. Back home. And only to find out that the dishes you did on Sundays are back in the sink dirty. And no one still helps you. And then you're overwhelmed all the way to Sunday. And some of you, you've come to church this morning angry. Because life is a series of mountaintops and valleys. And life is never only a mountaintop experience. And some of you would be the best Christians ever if people did not exist. And some of you say, Pastor, if I wasn't married to them, if I didn't have these kids, if I didn't work where I worked, if I didn't have this family, if I didn't have this problem, I would be fine and happy. But that is not true. Because you'll never hit a point in life where everything is perfect and you're always on the mountaintop. Eventually, you go down into the valley. And the valley is where the darkness comes. The valley is where the battles are. The valley is where the hard times arrive. The valley is where you're dry and hopeless. The valley is when you're disappointed and angry because if anything, what Moses teaches us is that people are not going to act the way you want them to. Can I get an amen on that? People are not always going to meet your expectations. People are not always going to listen and do it your way. People are not going to conduct themselves the way you think they should. People aren't going to act like you. People aren't going to drive like you. People are not going to do the things that you think they should do. People will always hurt you. People will always disappoint you. People will always fail you. And people will always give you a reason to be angry. You're in a valley. And the goal of a Christian is not to be happy only in the mountaintops. Anyone can do that. But you have to learn how to be godly when you're at the valley. Because I know in this room, people have wronged you. Friends or families have wronged you. Expectations have failed. And maybe there's people in your life that are disappointing you right now. You think, well, Pastor, that's not right. That's not fair. No, but that's life. Every area of your life has a mountaintop and a valley. Your marriage has a mountaintop and a valley. 
Your marriage, you, you'll go through a season where everything is fine. You guys are close and touchy and lovey, and, and then you go through a valley. Usually when kids come, and it gets stressful, and it gets difficult, and you don't spend enough time together, and you have all this stress around you, and you have all these bills that have to be paid, and all these responsibility, and you're not as lovey anymore, you're not as touchy anymore, you're not as close as you used to be. What does that mean? Well, we get angry at each other, we bicker at one another, we, she picks on me, pastor. Why? Because you're in a valley now. You're in a valley. You go through valleys with your children. Usually when they're young, they can't get enough of you. They love mommy and daddy and they want to be around you, but as kids get older and they get to be teenagers, they no longer need you apparently. And now you, that mountaintop experience you had with that child becomes a valley because now they're questioning their identity. They think they know it all. They're hanging out with bad friends and bad kids. They're making wrong decisions. And now you're in a valley with them because now you're in a battle for their soul. You're in a battle for their life. And you're fighting with them constantly. You're saying, well, Pastor, I'm so angry at my kids. We're always fighting. Yeah, because now you're in the valley. You know that there's mountaintops and valleys even in church? And there are seasons in church that everyone is at peace and everyone is loving and everyone has joy and you feel the presence of God and we're strong, but every church goes to a valley. An Ezekiel valley of dry bones and, and it feels like it's draining, it feels empty, it feels like, like we're not the same anymore. We're in a valley right now. And that's when the devil says, get angry. Leave. Go somewhere else. Life is a series of mountaintops and valleys where you will be wrong and hurt and even angry. Let's make one thing clear. The goal of a Christian is not to never get angry. That's a lie that a lot of people believe about Christians. When you get angry and lose it, they're going to tell you, well, I thought you were a Christian. But you tell them, yeah, but I'm also human. The goal of a Christian is not to never get angry. But the goal of a Christian is that when you get angry, you learn to control it where you do not sin. You're not a better Christian because you don't get angry. You're a better Christian because in your moment of valleys, in the moment of anger, you don't let anger control you to the point of sin. In life, you're going to be angry. In life, you're going to have conflict. That's unavoidable. Every relationship have it. But let's be straightforward here. A happy marriage, a happy family, a happy church, a happy friendship, and even happy Christians are not examples of people who don't get angry. They're examples of people who know how to control it. 
Even Jesus got angry. The Bible says that God is slow to angry, to get angry, and abundant in love. And Jesus often got angry, but never sinned. Jesus went to the temple and he saw how everyone was using the temple as a money-making scheme and a marketplace. And when he saw people taking advantage of other people in the house of God, he literally sat back and watched and the Bible says he made a whip. Slowly. Making a whip. I see you. Oh, I'm going to get you. And as he's making a whip, he goes through that temple, whipping people and flipping tables. Because you can be angry, but not sin. It's called righteous anger. And righteous anger is any anger you feel that's in right standings with God. Where God, if you would tell God, hey God, I'm angry right now at this. And God would say, yeah, me too. That is righteous anger. I believe that when God looks at our country right now, He's angry. And we should be too. And when God sees abortion on the rise, it angers Him. And we should be angry too. Christians get angry, but Christians learn how to control that anger. See, here's how you do it. You're angry because of the evil you see. You're angry because of the evil that's been done to you. But you don't let that evil overcome you to the point of anger with sin. And what happens with a lot of people is that when you get angry, you let it overcome you. You let it overwhelm you to the point that it causes you to sin. And that's what God says it's wrong. Let me give you an example. Suppose we do get angry at abortion. And we do get angry at the protests of people that want the babies to die, even after the, the womb. God says, you're justified in that anger. You should be angry at that. But now suppose in my anger, I get us all together and say, listen, what's happening right now in our country is wrong. So I think we should all get together with a bunch of baseball bats, go to those protesters, and break their skulls. What would God say? No, that's, that's sinful. That's vengeance. That's wrong. In fact, maybe you're angry at someone and you have a right to be. You're angry over a person and what they did. You have a right to be. You're angry because you've been taken advantage of. You're angry because you've been hurt. You're angry because you've been treated unfairly and you have a right to that and God does not take that away from you. But it doesn't give you the right and excuse to go ahead and sin. 
In fact, when you are a mature believer, you can be angry like Jesus and still honor God. That's why Jesus was so unique and different. Because even when He was angry, He still led a life that honored God. My point is this, church. You don't have to let anger get the best of you. Or your family. Here's the truth about anger in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The Bible says, in your anger... Do not sin. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You understand that the Bible says that when you have anger, it's not a sin. But if you dwell on it long enough, You can actually give the devil a foothold, which literally means an opportunity. And the devil wants to get your anger as an opportunity to sin. As an opportunity to get you to mess up your testimony. To give a bad example to your children. To break apart your marriage. And to hurt your future. And every time you're angry, it's not wrong. But when you continue to dwell on it and think about it and let it simmer down to bitterness, God warns us that the devil gets a foothold. See, anger has the potential to lead you to sin. And it gives the devil an opportunity. And no one in their right mind would ever tell the devil, hey devil, here, come here, come use me, come destroy my life, destroy my family. But every time you dwell in anger, that's exactly what you're doing. You're giving the devil a foothold, an opportunity to lead you to make the wrong choice, to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong words. In fact, this is what happened in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, 6 through 7. The first family in the Bible, the first murder, was found in someone named Cain. And Cain hated his brother because God accepted his offering and not his. But notice what God said. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Let's just pause right there for a second. Because what if God right now would literally ask you this question? Why are you angry? See, God wanted to get down to the root problem of his anger. God was not mad at the fact that he was angry. God wanted him to confess it. God wanted him to just say it so that God would be able to heal him. So if God would ask you right now, why are you angry? You might say, my job, my finances, inflation, our country, my children, my health. I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm angry. But see, what God wanted to do was help him. What God wanted to do was heal him. 
God wasn't angry at the fact that he was angry. And God is not angry at your anger. He actually wants to heal you of it. And God said, Lord, the Lord said, why, Cain, are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? Can I tell you when you know you're giving the devil a foothold? It's in your face. You ever see a person and know that they're angry? Just at their face? I went to dinner last Sunday night with our family. And there was this young server, and she had the most bitter face you've ever seen. And we already knew something was wrong with her. And already mom was saying, oh, I'm inviting her to church. And I was like, I don't know about that. She looks pretty mad. But see, what happens is that if you don't deal with your anger with God, it starts showing in your demeanor. It starts showing in your face. And it starts changing your attitude. And some of you have that face right now. And you walk through life just with this face of sadness and discouragement and anger because it's getting the best of you. And God tried to help him and God said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But then God warns him, if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must master it. You see, God told Cain, I know you're angry. And I can see it in your face. But if you do what's right, all of this anger can go away. And Cain, i got to warn you that because you're angry, sin is at your door. It's trying to get you. But the good news is that God told him, you can master it. You know that anger is one of these things you can master. And you will never master the art of not getting angry because you are in a broken, sinful, fallen world. And you're human and sinful nature. What God says you can master is the ability that while you're angry, you don't sin. You don't say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, give the wrong example, hurt them because they hurt me. God says you can master this anger where that you can get so angry like Jesus and still honor God. How do you know if anger is mastering you rather than you mastering it? It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Notice this. Don't, and don't sin by letting anger, what? Control you. How do you know anger is controlling you? When you're angry, you sin. That's it. You know that anger is controlling you, that when you're angry, you always sin. You don't let it go. 
You don't give it to God. But you allow it to break you to a point that you just sin. You might do sinful things, say sinful words, act in sinful ways. But you know that anger is controlling you because you, first of all, you sin. Second of all, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. You know that anger also masters you, not only because you sin when you're angry, but you kind of bottle it in. You don't deal with it, you hold it in. Let me tell you how I know anger controls you. You don't talk about it, but all day long you think about it. You play a little... I was going to say VHS, I just aged myself. You, you play a little movie in your head of what they did and what you're going to tell them and what you should have said. And all day long, the movie is playing in your head over and over and over and you bottle it in. You know anger controls you because you let it inside you and you don't deal with it. Look at verse 29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let me ask you this. This is how you know anger controls you. How is your mouth? I heard a ooh. How is your mouth when you're angry? Do you use foul language? The F in your mouth is not for fellowship. Do you use words that you would never use in front of people in church or even God was there? Anger controls you. Don't use foul or abusive. Your words pierce them because you want them to hurt. You know anger controls you because that tongue of yours reminds them of the past. Brings them down. You want to make sure they hurt by what you say. The Bible says, let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. But when you're controlled by anger, your words are nothing helpful. There's nothing encouraging about it. You are out to kill. You know who you are. That's how you know anger controls you. Look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness. That's how you know anger controls you. Remember, you know anger controls you because you sin every time and you bottle it in. But you know there's a pattern to anger? It starts with bitterness. You just become a bitter person inside. And it affects everyone you're with. It affects your entire day, maybe your life. And that bitterness can actually turn to rage. Where you begin to lash out and throw things and break things and slam doors and break glasses and leave and go away and hurt people. And in your anger, you have harsh words. In your anger, you slander. That word slander literally means to talk to someone else about someone in a bad way. When you're angry, you're quick to tell your buddies at work, can you believe what my woman did? You're quick to tell your girlfriend, I can't believe him. He stole this, he stole that. That is a sign of an angry person. You slander them. As well as all types of evil behavior. 
You do evil things to make sure they hurt. Instead, the Bible says, how do you know anger does not control you? They're kind to each other. Remember, we're still on the topic of anger in this chapter. You know that God says you can be angry and still be kind? In your anger, you can sit down with them and say, Honey, I just want to talk to you about this because you did this the other day and you did that. I want you to know how I feel and it really hurt me. And I really want to work at this because I don't think it should be this way. And you can actually communicate more than just that tongue you use to wreak havoc. You can actually use it to bring healing. Be kind to each other. Just because you're angry doesn't mean you have to be rude. Treat them bad. You can be angry and still make dinner for them. You can be angry and still spend time with them. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. That's hard. Because there's a lot of people that deal with anger the wrong way where the last thing they want to do is forgive. But forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness just means you forfeit your right for vengeance and you give it to God. Forgive one another just as God, Christ, forgave you. Why does the Bible throw that last part in there, just like Christ forgave you? Because he's literally saying, in your anger, act like Jesus. Model Jesus' behavior when you're angry. You have to shine like Jesus did and still honor God as Jesus did when you're angry. Because you're going to have a series in life of mountaintops and valleys. You guys getting it this morning? You ever used a glow stick before? Glow sticks really show us how to deal with anger. Because you're going to leave this church this morning. And you're going to tell yourself, you know what, Pastor, I got it. Thank you. That's it. I'm never going to sin when I'm angry. And I'm going to be the nicest person. And I guarantee some of you won't make it to the parking lot. You're not going to make it to 49th Street. Or home. Or Monday. But see, here's the thing about a glow stick that every Christian should model to be. When a glow stick breaks, a natural reaction occurs to shine. That's what God says. When it feels like people just break you. And you're in the valley and you go to work tomorrow and someone does something or says something that just breaks you. Or you're driving and someone cuts you off or someone doesn't go when it's green because they're still on their phone and it breaks you. Or you go home 
And your kids are going to act in ways that's going to break you. Your spouse is going to do things that's going to break you. And there should be a natural reaction during that moment of breaking that causes you to be like Jesus. There's no denying it hurt. There's no denying it broke you. But there is a challenge to light. And shine the light like Jesus did. Could you do that? Because I can get the same glow stick and break it to the point that it gets so broken it leaves a mess. Who are you today? They both got broken. But this one, the one that actually cut my finger and hurt me, the one that's making everything messy, reached a breaking point. And maybe that's you. Who would you rather be? Do you want to be married to someone like this? That every time something happens that breaks them, they make a mess of everything in their life. They make a mess of their family. They make a mess of their example. They say hurtful words. They make a mess with their children, their home life. Everything is a wreck. Everything is a mess. They're hurting everyone with their words. Do you want to be like this person? Do you want your kids being raised with a person like this? But see, when you allow something to break you at your breaking point, and you don't care what you say, you don't care how you act, you gotta let them have it. You gotta punch the wall. You gotta break the furniture. You have to storm out. You have to curse them out. You gotta give them the finger. You have to remind them of their past. And then no wonder you're saying, well, why is my family broken? Why is everything so messy? It's because you failed to break beyond a point where you shine like Jesus. It's possible. If not, God would not have said it. In your anger, do not sin. But many people here, many people in Miami, are making a mess of their life. Because you go beyond your breaking point. And you don't think about your testimony. You don't think about the words you're saying, the people you're hurting, the example you're leading, or the damage you're doing. Life's going to break you. And that's what happened to Moses. Moses went down into the valley and reached a breaking point. When he saw everyone acting foolish, dancing around under a pagan god, sinful, 
Moses in his hurt. He was hurt because he led these people. He invested in these people. And now they're acting wrong. And some of you are like Moses. You invested in someone that hurts you. You gave so much to someone that broke you. And you gave so much to these people and they're not acting right. And God, I'm just angry and I'm at my breaking point. And the devil says, yeah, you are, but go further. Break. Tell them how you feel. Tell them how worthless they are. Let them know. And Moses hit a breaking point. And he got those tablets. In his anger, he just threw it and broke them all. You ever felt like that? And I want to tell you the truth. At that moment, that felt good. At that moment, Moses must have felt a release like never before as he smashed those tablets. Just like that moment, you just say what's on your mind. You break whatever's in front of you. That moment feels great. But Moses didn't know the mess he was leaving behind. That's what happens when you reach your breaking point. And you don't care what comes out of you. It leaves a mess in your family. A mess in your children. Your children won't forget the day you broke their toy. The day you cursed out mom. The day you stormed out of the house. That's embedded in your child's mind. That's the mess I'm talking about. You're going to go home. Your spouse is going to break you. Shine. All right, now it's the time to be like Jesus. They're not acting the way I want them to. They're not doing the things I want. I'm not, I expected someone else when I got married. Shine or break? What's it going to be? You're going to go home. Your children are going to break you. You're going to find things on their phone. They're going to disrespect you. Disobey you. And the devil's right there saying, break. Come on, let them have it. But that's when you say, no, now I got to act like Jesus. You're going to go to work tomorrow? Break. Boss isn't going to appreciate you like he should or she should. Co-workers are going to get on your nerves. Shine. We're going to drive. 
Someone's going to cut you off. Give you the finger. You're going to say, oh no, they didn't. You're going to drive past them to make sure you lock eyes and shine. Here's my favorite. You're going to go to church. Break. Pastor's not going to say hi to you. Frankie's not going to play my song. People aren't going to act right and they're Christian in church. Shine. Because I want to ask you this question. Does this look desirable to you? But every time you choose to give in to anger and have your little pity party and lash out like Moses did, you're making a greater mess than you think. And it's not worth it. And your anger is getting the best of you. And this is what's amazing. And I'll close with this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. The Lord told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first one. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. Here's what's interesting about God. The first time the Bible says that God wrote the Ten Commandments, He cut the stone Himself. He wrote it Himself. Moses had to do nothing. But the second time that Moses smashed the tablets and went back up to the mountain, God said, no. This time, you're going to chisel out the stone. Now picture this with me. You're in the middle of the Middle Eastern desert, chipping away at a giant stone. How many of you want that for your life? And there was Moses, and here's what God said. He told Moses, chill out two stone tablets, like the first one that you smashed. And God says, and I want it by morning. Look at it, it's in your Bible. So all day and all night, Moses was chiseling, chiseling. This is so long. This is so tedious. Why is God making me do this? God, you cut it the first time for me. Why don't you just do it the second time? And God said, no, you're going to cut the stone. Why? So that next time you have a little temper, and you want to smash the stones again. You have a greater appreciation for it. Because you spent so much time working on it on yourself. When I read that, I realized what God was speaking into my heart for this church. You know why you snap? 
You know why you get angry and say what you want and hurt who you want and curse out people and break things and not care about your words, your behavior, your actions, your testimony, your example? You know why you just say it and say it like it is? Because you have no appreciation for them. You want to know why you snap at your spouse? Because you don't appreciate Why you hurt them with your words? Because you don't appreciate them. You know why you lash out at kids and your kids and not care what they think of you? Because you don't have an appreciation for them. You know why you get angry at the church and the people and oh, the church? Because you don't have an appreciation for the church. Because whatever you have an appreciation for, you make sure you take care of. And you make sure you take care of it by how you treat it, how you speak to it, how you handle it. And Moses didn't realize that he was creating a bigger mess by that one moment of anger. And maybe it's time for you to be less angry and more appreciative of life. If you're angry that you're driving, at least appreciate the fact that you're driving a car that God has blessed you with. If you're angry at your boss and your job, at least appreciate the fact that you're working. If you're angry at your spouse, appreciate it. At least you have someone to wake up next to because somewhere in life, there's a widow that will die to have their spouse again. If you're just tired and angry at your children, appreciate them because there are people that can't have any. Oh, I'm just so angry at the church. Appreciate that you go to a church that still preaches the word of God. Your anger is a sign that you don't appreciate God or life or his blessings enough. And for a moment it feels great, but it will cost you. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what happened to Moses. You think that Moses would learn. He didn't. Because near the end of Moses' life, the people were disappointing him again. Moses went back to the valley. And the people were complaining. The people were nagging. Moses got angry. Moses got frustrated. And look at Numbers 20, verse 2 through 6. I'm going to read it. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died here. If only we were dead. The Lord's presence with our brothers. We wish we were dead, Moses. Why have you brought us, the congregation of the Lord's people, into this wilderness to die? Moses, 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 why? Moses, will we just die? Moses, we're thirsty. Moses, do something. Moses, feed us. We're going to die along with our animals. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Moses, why? Moses, why did you bring us here, Moses? 
Why did you bring us to this place? Why, Moses, why did you bring us to this land? It has no grain. It has no figs. It has no graves. It has no pomegranates. It has no water to drink. How many are you getting mad right now? And that was Moses. He's breaking point. If I hear one more person complain. But Moses did something right. And then he messed up. This is what you have to do if you're angry today. Moses and Aaron turned away. They turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down to the ground. They fell down at the presence of God and His glorious presence appeared to them. If you're dealing with anger today, my question to you, are you turning away and running to God? Falling before Him and saying, Lord, help me with my anger. Help me with the way I feel. Help me with what I want to do. Lord, I'm hurt. I'm betrayed. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. Lord, I'm angry because the people don't care. The people don't appreciate. The people only complain. I'm tired. I'm angry. God, I'm angry. Lord, I'm angry. And God said, I know. I know. turned away and he found God and some of you that's your problem when you're angry you don't turn to God and in verse 7 through 12 God delivered them look at what he said here and the Lord said to Moses you and Aaron must take your staff assemble the entire community as the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the entire community and their livestock. So God gave them instructions how to deal with this. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people Come together and gather at the rock. And here's where he messed up. He said, listen here, you rebels. Did God tell him to tell him that? Did you know what happened? A moment of anger. He just wanted to tell the people what he felt. Sometimes I feel like telling this church something I should. But I go to God. Sometimes you want to want to tell someone something. And it feels great when Moses said, you rebels. He must have thought, oh, finally, I'm glad I got that out of my chest. They needed to hear it. Man, Aaron, that felt good. He shouted, must we bring water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and he struck the rock twice with the staff. That felt good because notice what Moses did. He acted verbally and he acted in action. That's anger. 
Some of you act verbally with anger. Some of you act in action and reaction. And Moses did both. He verbally hurt the people and he caused an action out of a reaction. And he got the staff and he just hit it. And for a moment, it felt amazing. For a moment, he was like, man, this is great. And they all drank their fill and everyone was happy. But the Lord said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness, because you did not demonstrate my holiness, because you did not demonstrate my holiness, you did not shine, Moses, but you gave in to your temper, you gave in verbally, you reacted and had an action, and you hurt the people. Because you did not demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the promised land. And Moses had a mess in his life. He never got to the promise yet. Do you want to miss the promises of God in your life? You better learn how to deal with anger. God said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough. Every time you react and get angry, you're not trusting God with that person. And it's time for you to run to God like Moses first did and say, Lord, I don't know what to do about this anger. I don't know what to do about these people. I don't know what to do about this situation, but I'm coming to you for help, Lord, because I don't want to break beyond my point where I sin. And Moses' mistake was God told him, speak to the rock. But Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he spoke to the people. And in the book of Corinthians, the Bible says that that rock was a symbolism of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, you should read it this tonight. And that spoke to me because I wondered how many of you, instead of talking to God about it, you're just dealing with the people. And there comes a point that you have to stop dealing with the person and deal with them with God. And Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, which was Jesus, he let the people have it himself. And I'm saying enough of that. If you're tired of people in your life, and you're tired of the way people are acting, stop wasting your time with people and deal with them, with God, and fall before God at His mercy and say, Lord, I need help. And into your hands, I surrender these people. And the Bible says in Romans 12, 19, my favorite verse, vengeance is His, says the Lord. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. Who better to deal with people than God? Let's all pray today. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to pray with you today. And it's time that you speak to the rock and not to the people. And if you're here tonight, today, you're saying, God, I'm tired of people. I'm at the valley. I'm at my breaking point. I've broken. I've made a mess of my life, my family, because of my anger. 
I say the wrong thing, I do the wrong thing, I'm a wrong example, I'm making a mess right now because like Moses, I love God, I'm trying my best, but at the valley, I mess up. As an act of confession before the Lord, would you put that hand up if it's you and you're saying, God, I'm angry. God bless you all across the room. I'm not going to call you for it today. This is between you and God today. But with every head bow, every eye closed today, would you talk to the rock today instead of the people? If you're hurt by people, tired of people, fed up with people, frustrated with people, would you stop trying to deal with people and just talk to the rock who's Jesus Christ? And I challenge you today to say, Lord, I'm talking to you now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, as they talk to the rock, help them to deal with their anger. Help them, Lord, to lead a life where they shine like you, Jesus, in the midst of the valley. Forgive us, Lord, for dealing with people only you can deal with. Lord, we're angry. And like Moses, we feel hurt, discouraged, disappointed, and frustrated. But forgive us, Lord, for letting anger get the best of us. Would you surrender them right now to the Lord? Say, Lord, I will trust you with my breaking point, with my hurt and my frustration. Lord, you deal with them as you please. And in return, Lord, would you give us peace and a godly example. Let us demonstrate holiness in the midst of our valley and anger. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today if you guys were blessed. Amen.